Welcome everybody to the first episode of Breaking the Cork. I'm Arthur, your host for tonight, and Quentin. My name is Quentin Wind, and yeah, first episode, um, and we have a wonderful guest that has uh, somehow accepted uh, our uh, invitation. He's now heading up the good front room inside the Langa Motel, one of the most luxurious hotels in London. He's offering a menu of Caribbean flavors from chicken to jackfruit patties. Chef Dom Taylor. How are you doing, Dom? I'm really well. I'm yeah? really well, yes. I'm really excited to be here. So, how was the beginning of starting the Good Front Room? I mean, it's been really amazing because it's a very, it's a concept really close to my heart for okay. many reasons. Caribbean food and culture, I absolutely love. The Good Front Room was named after a sacred room in my great aunt's house. Okay. One that we was forbidden to go in. And it, Seriously? Yeah? And yes, it was like decorated and adorned with all of these ornaments oh, and yeah? kind of fancy furniture. And it was almost reserved for this really extra special guest as if the queen was going to turn up one day. (laughs) Of course, she never did. So this (laughs) this room was never used. So when I came up with the name in the competition and then subsequently won and opened the Good Front Room, the Palm Court, which is a world-renowned restaurant space within, as you said, one of the most luxurious hotels in London, it was just befitting of this whole kind of vision I had for... Mm. The good front room. Amazing. How big is your team inside the good front room? I mean, when you started. So I have a kitchen team of five. There's okay. five of us. Okay. Um, on on any, any any one service. Okay. Um, and then a large front of house team. Um, okay. they have there's about seven or eight of them. Okay. Um, nice. And there's a, that includes like a sommelier, obviously. Yes, of course. So we don't have a specific sommelier. The managers, the managers on duty, will take the role. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And um, so are you, so there's a manager that you work alongside or you have also your, your right to say what, how they want to serve the customers or how your dish needs to be presented and how does that kind of... Yeah, so I mean, I've been given quite a lot of autonomy. I came with a fully developed concept. Mm. So I had very clear ideas about how I think food should be served. Of course, I've kind of gone into the Langer, which is an established restaurant space. So they have also clear ideas about how they think food should be served. So it's a collaborative process for sure. And so far, so good? So far, so good. So far, so good. You know, fully booked every night. So I'm going to say the proof's in the pudding. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And so did you bring any people from, I mean, from your own team or it was all the staff who used to work at Langham? So it's all Langham staff. Oh, Langham staff. All Langham staff. Which has worked out well, you know, as you yeah. can imagine, or I'm sure, as you know, staffing can be a whole, a whole job, you know? Yeah. So to kind of not have to, not to not have to have worried about, of course, has yeah. been a bit of a blessing. To yeah, it allowed me to focus on all of the other things that come with running this. Oh, okay. And, and how did it go with, obviously like going in as kind of new head chef, does the team kind of like. Are they like, oh, they're just a, like a, another chef or are they like excited because obviously it's a new cuisine, they're going to learn Yes, I mean, and... I think there's been a mixture of all, you okay. know. Um, I've come into a fully established team yeah. who have kind of um, got there in a very different way to I arrived. As you can imagine, the kind of different personalities that you have to kind of negotiate. <laughs> You've probably had some people leaving, some new people coming in. Well, actually, they they do really well at the Langham in terms of staff retention. So they're doing something right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they don't get very many levers. Not really. Not Good. for hospitality. 
That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the major problems we were talking about mm. earlier on. Since the, the the past three years, it's just hard to find people who are willing to do what hospitality used to be before COVID. For Long sure. hours and yeah. yeah, weekends that you don't really know when you're going to get during, during the week. From the past, is that a problem you've had before? I mean, you know, staffing, staffing in hospitality is extremely challenging because I think, um, as we discussed earlier, is you get a lot of staff who are just passing through. So hospitality isn't really where their heart's at. It's, you know, they need to make money because they're going traveling or they're in college, they're in university, and it's just kind of a stop off yeah. on their way to somewhere else, which can make it challenging to, to manage because, you know, naturally you're, you're training staff that costs you money. Mm. If you're constantly retraining, that's, yeah. that's, that's a big chunk of I mean, your we're job. We're talking about taken. a minimum 30 hours of training. So yeah, it's, it's, it's the problem. It's a major problem at the moment. And, um, I think it for me personally, um, as I was saying, it's getting better. Um, we're seeing people uh, dropping their CVs or contacting us through the HR email. Um, which is great to see it's finally, you know, a little bit of a breather. Yes. And, you know, um, I, I know many chefs, you know, head chefs that had no weekends for, for months uh, and they had to just jump in um, and doing 14 hours days. Mm -hmm. Like the good, you know, like the yeah, old yeah, times, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, that's what hospitality used to be. And, you know, it took, it, it changed a lot since COVID. So, yeah, um, one of those problems we're trying to tackle and still tackling, actually. Something you said in one of the interviews um, previously, and um, it was in regards to um, your mother who actually pushed you to be a chef. This was where my heart was at, and it was something that I was really good at. Okay. So I think that she, um, you know, um, my mother's my mother's always really pushed for us to be happy, first and foremost. Um, and I think that she's really understood that what, what she'd be happy for us to do might not marry up with what we're probably best at and you know cool. one of the key messages at home early ages is, is do what makes you happy mm, mm, mm. it's mm. what will see you through you know it's of what, course yeah it's sustainable what was your your parkour so you since the little age wanted to cook you spent a lot yes, of time in the kitchen i mean i was in the kitchen um you know i was either in the kitchen or i was sat watching um the food network channel nice um, from a very early age you okay. know so by the time i started chef school i had learned a lot of techniques just from watching tv uh, so things like making bechamel and yeah. um you know making <laughs> cakes and nice. all sorts of things yeah. I remember you were saying that any pocket money you got, you went to the supermarket. Absolutely. And, uh, Absolutely. <laughs> I remember that when, when I got my pocket money, the only thing is um, I used to buy things to resell at school. Yeah. So it was like sweets, you know, for example. And, and resell from early. Although I love cooking and all that. And my dad, being a pastry chef, I remember growing up not getting any pastries at home done by him because yes, yes, yes. you did it all week yeah, 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 yeah. you don't want to do it at home yeah, 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 yeah. so i was like if i love cooking i'll become a chef yes, i'm not going to be cooking at home cooking at home I, I never cook at home now that's the now. big thing with chef i feel like you guys spending like 12 hours a day in a restaurant doing an amazing dish you're coming back home you're making chips as we're talking about dessert people close to me will know that i'm a huge dessert fan i can always 
eat a dessert even if I'm full. Um, there's always same. space somehow, you know. And same, same. It's well, a separate it's, stomach. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there's somewhere there. It's just like, yeah, it's <laughs> fine. Yeah, I can get. I can take more. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but what? Well, um, what's the typical dessert from Jamaica then? Oh, we haven't really got typical desserts. Um, not really. But um, on my menu at the Langham, I have a sweet potato meringue pie. Oh, which oh, is doing really good. well with like a kaffir lime sorbet. And it's divine. It okay. really is divine. Um, the lime balances out the sweetness of the meringue. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the sweet potato kind of um, meringue filling, curd, mm. if you will, yeah. um, is quite sweet and it's kind of got caramel-like tone. Oh, yeah, okay. So then the yeah. sorbet just really balances it. And it's very seasonal as well. Yeah, so it's kind of, it, it makes sense from a Caribbean point of view, but it feels brand new. Yeah. Like, what is this? I've never had this. I've never heard of this yeah, before. Yeah, of and they're, they're trying it and they're like, okay, that makes sense. I get this, you know. Yeah. I have a pineapple upside down cake, um, mm. which kind of feels kind of Caribbean, but again, it's not really, not really. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's made with brown sugar. So when you think brown sugar, you think the Caribbean. Mm. It's got a rum glaze. It's got oh, pineapple, of course, which are, you know, yeah. from the Caribbean. So it makes sense from a Caribbean point of view, but it's not really a Caribbean. It just uh, makes me hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. You know what? About dessert, that's something, it's so funny because I'm, I might be wrong on this, but nine out of ten of those good restaurants, they don't put, half the effort they put in their starters and main that they mm. would put in their dessert yes most of the times i'm quite disappointed when it comes to dessert because the food has been great but then the dessert could have been much better yes yes, yes. if they had put that much effort as well in the dessert yeah i don't know why that is ravneet gill mentions that in she was one of the judges in five star kitchen okay yeah and um she's a pastry chef yeah um, and she kind of kept making the point of that, you know, restaurants just don't put enough effort into desserts mm -hmm. and that chefs don't, um, train themselves in desserts enough, yeah. in her opinion. And, um, I think it's just simply that, that it's a different discipline and, um, you know, a lot of us aren't, aren't very pastry skilled. As you will see, if you watch, uh, Five Star Kitchen, yeah. <laughs> that was one of my many flaws. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've got many. Uh, <laughs> well, I did like your afternoon tea. That was Jeremy where, Kelsey. that was a turning point. Did that was amazing. a point. That was a turning, point. Point. turning point. Yes. I did really well. And um, I didn't know I'd done well until kind of towards the end of that challenge because I had started with my sweets and everybody else had started with their savouries. So I really struggled with covering my cake with this mirror glaze. And I was just kind of like, oh no, that's it, Dom, you've lost this. And then when it came to the judging yeah. and I saw everybody else's, I was like, okay, no, you might have been. Because suddenly some of the chefs who had kind of really excelled in some of the other challenges mm. completely fell at this challenge. And it, it really reminded me that one of my strengths, I believe, is that I'm a good all rounder. Mm. I know a little bit about a lot of things. Of course. Yeah. And so that really came through for me. That opinion. is one of the big strengths is to be able to be quite versatile on, on many things, not for being sure. the best. For sure. Mm. For sure. Because um, otherwise you're a perfectionist. But if you're interested and good at everything um, and you, you know, give interest to everything, then yeah, it's a good roundup, you know. For sure. Whereas if you're a perfectionist in one bit, then like you said, it comes to dessert, then you might not be, you know, as good. For sure. Um, yeah. And I think it goes with many things. Um, it's, it's a bit like probably wine for you. I mean, you know, if you focus only on red, uh, yeah. you only know about red. That you... For sure. At some point, you have to learn a bit 
about the spirits, about, I mean, I don't know, like a whiskey or the vodka, or like the pairing you can do with the spirits. So who's your role model? Uh, who have you been looking up to? I mean, I've got many. Of course, Michelle Rue Jr. Yeah. He's a mentor of mine, so um, definitely look up to him a lot. Mike Reed has been a great support mm. since uh, meeting him on the show, so I'm somebody I definitely tap into quite a lot. Then, of course, Ravneet, Ravneet Gill, she's been amazing also. But growing up, you know, I, I, I watched Jamie Oliver's career since he was on Naked Chef. I was a teenager when yeah. he first started Naked Chef, and that was when he, the first chef to kind of really make chefing cool. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I really looked up to Jamie. And still, my style is still got an element of okay. Jamie's style. Okay, yeah. Style. Yeah, because he had a very kind of free and easy kind of style. Yeah. I'm a bit of a rebel at heart. Okay. So I don't like to be restricted by food rules and kind of the restraints that some kind of cooking lends itself to. That's not my style at all. If it starts to, if I feel a little bit kind of trapped in a style, yeah. I have to kind of get throw the rule book out the window and... Yeah. Go a bit wild. <laughs> Fair enough. It's funny because I'm I for me growing up uh, in the UK, I, my parent, parent were like, um, well, the, the ones I would hear the most as a chef is obviously Gordon Ramsay, Jamie Oliver, mm. Matt Corpia White, and Michel Roux. And especially I don't know why, but Michel Roux was probably because it, it was he's half French, mm. and you know, being from a French family, probably heard it more. And my parents used to go to his restaurants, uh, times to times. They, those were the, like the four that were. Back in the 2000s, like early 2000s, the TV shows and especially Gordon Ramsay with uh, Kitchen Hell and you know, his character. And yeah, the four that I remember the most until now. So yeah, uh, interestingly enough, they're still on TV, really, still doing stuff. But in France, we have the same as well. I mean, in France, we grew up with the best. Philippe Chabest, it's a bit like Gordon Ramsay, but like French version. Mm. It's the same. Yeah. He's doing the same TV mm. show, actually. But just to going back to Michel Roux, did you try Le Gavroche? Have you been there? No. So I've, I've actually got a book in for January. January. Yes, okay. yes, yes. Because yes. it's going to close in what? In... I think the end of January. End of January. Yes, yes, okay. yes. Michel Roux, we have a table here as well. In case <laughs> to be fair, I think they are full, fully booked like for end of January. I think they January. are. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. so. Uh, well, you're yes, have he to was wait. saving a few spots, spots for special people. So I, I made it onto the list. Oh, yeah. good. Oh, that's great. How, how is Michel Roux? Do you know like what? A, He's got a really person. great personality. He's a gentleman, you know. Since the show, are you still having contact with him? Yes. I mean, he's at the Langham reasonably often. Okay. Because he still does a lot of work there. He has a cookery class, which he does there. Event. Okay, nice. Okay. So he's still like with you sometimes in the kitchen, helping, giving like yes. advice. Yes. Yes. You know, he's always there for advice at the end of the phone. He does, of course, have Le Gavroche. He's also very present there. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Were you on the phone phone number and then text him? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything I need. Talking yeah. about like ownership, uh, about so the good phone rule, what is the kind of deal you have with Longam? Is it like for one year and every year you're going to have like... Initially, oh. initially, I was supposed to be there for six months. Six months, okay. Um, I did have a one-year contract, okay. but um, the restaurant was supposed to be open for six months. The The show was delayed, yeah. the airing of the show. Okay. But my year's contract had already begun. Ah, okay. So, then, um, so my original contract ended at the end of October. Okay. And then we've just extended for another six months. Okay. So nice. my current contract runs out at the end of April. Okay. And, so... and then who knows? Who knows? 
it's too early yeah. to start making any kind of hard decisions, okay. right? Do you think you can bring your concepts wherever you want them? To? Absolutely. I mean, you know, the good front room I created on the show, yeah. concept is something I've been kind of creating for a long time. Yeah. So, yeah. In the kitchen, as a chef, it feels like what's amazing is to be able to create a team. Is that something for you? Are you building towards that or? Yes. I mean, you know, um, I guess... Half the trouble is, is I think in this day and age is, is a lot of the great chefs have intentions to do their own thing. Do you know what I mean? Okay. I find that kind of more and more a strong number two ultimately wants to be a number one. Of course. Uh, do you know what I mean? I mean yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's really hard to kind of find a team who wants to kind of come with you to be you know your wingman yeah it's a bit like you know a bridesmaid and never the bride you yeah, know? yeah i think you kind of get a little bit bored with that and i think head chef should inspire to go and do your own thing of course. Do you know yeah. what i mean yeah, yeah. so it. i think that i'd like to think that some of the chefs who were they're looking at me and kind of thinking you know what you're doing and i could do this you yeah. know yeah. Because some of the chefs that i know quite personally and quite close um who are in their 50s and um uh, I'm, ref I'm I'm pretty much referring to where my uh, my girlfriend works. Um, he's he's a, sh a really top chef. I mean, he's you know um, the food he does is incredible. Um, he, he's got two restaurants uh, side by side, and the team he has, um, a lot of them have been with him for years. Mm. And I'm talking back of, back of house, and some have then left for like a couple of years and came back to him really and working for him and. He managed to create that family and even further than that, he created a family in front of the house as well. Mm, it's uh, really nice. Uh, yeah, that's why I was asking, is that something, you know, that's, uh, is it hard to, to create or is it something that's quite nice? I mean, I think, it, I think you also need to kind of really connect with your staff and also be able to kind of teach them many things. Mm. Um, I mean, I've got a couple of staff now that I would like to um maybe kind of keep a connection with but you know for example one of them's going back home he lives in hungary um and he goes back home next month will our paths cross again i don't know he's a great chef he, yeah. he's, he's really nice to work with he's got a good attitude um and we work well together of course um and then my new sous chef now um who i think we also work really well together um, we've kind of spoken loosely about kind of what the future might hold, but chefs are also very fickle. You know? yeah, yeah. Chefs are very kind of, you know, by nature, we kind of move a bit with the wind. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I don't, I think, you know, in terms of laying roots, we don't do that very deeply. I don't think, you yeah, know? Yeah. Yeah. even when I think about kind of what the future holds for me, yeah, when people are asking me daily about <laughs> if I walk around the restaurant, I get it about 25 times. Yeah. And my answer is, is, you know, I don't know. I'm going to see how I feel in January <laughs> and just kind of, you know, because what I mean by that is someone could approach me and say, do you want to come and live in Australia for six yeah, months? Yeah, and I'm yeah. going to be like, yeah, why not? So just a quick break. I'd like to take a minute to say a big thank you to our sponsor for today's episode, which is workforce.com. They are the market leader in labor and HR tool on the market for hospitality businesses across the UK and Europe. Workforce is helping organizations to give their managers the info to make their best data-driven decisions. You can routinely hit wage revenue targets by slashing labor costs and integrating your till system. 
Now, one of my favorites is stopping the weekly Excel spreadsheets log and turn payroll into a five-minute job, ensuring that everyone gets paid correctly every time. Additionally, never manually calculate how much holiday your staff are owed again, which includes working out the average leave allowance for you. Also, improve staff retention by using the engagement boosters. Now, I've been using Workforce.com for the past four years for both of my businesses, and it has saved me so much time and hassle. So is your staff management process just more work than it should be? Then join Workforce.com now. Now back to the podcast with Dominic Taylor. Dom, what do you think about like the way you should manage or how you manage your team in kitchen? About? I mean, I think kitchens are notorious for being a bit kind of military regime type yeah. style, like a management style, which I think in my mind is quite, doesn't make sense in 2020 Not anymore. I, I just don't think that people really respond well to that no. personally. I'd like to say that I've got a bit softly type of approach. Yeah. I don't really like to make people do things and just do what's right. And sometimes it serves me well and sometimes not so much, but it's my style. It's my style in life. I don't, okay. like, I don't like to be forced into things. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. like to do things willingly because it's just right. And that's how I tend to approach. That's Especially my management, yeah. you know. Yeah. If you don't want to do it, I don't think you should. We can't hide or ignore the fact that now service has kind of gone down in quality ever since COVID. I mean, my theory, one of my theories are that I think people's expectations changed with COVID. I think that businesses kind of gave the impression that they understood now what was required of them and slowly have taken it all back, you know. Mm. So say, for example, I think kind of, you know, some businesses, especially hospitality businesses, kind of thought that this five-day week or this four-day week was going to remain because it now made sense. It meant people were kind of given specific days off that they yeah. could get used to. And the business had a t chance to kind of, I don't know, rejuvenate and be ready for this next five-day week. And slowly we've kind of gone back to seven. We've gone back to 60-hour weeks. Mm. And it's a bit kind of like, well, you, you, you identified that we needed this and now you've just taken it back. Yeah. And that you don't seem to have made up for that. Okay, but that's the thing about the four days a week shift for chef. Do you think it's better or it make more sense to have like five days a week for a chef? Or... I mean, it's a gift and a curse because it's kind of like, okay, a four-day week, but I'm working harder on all of those four days. That's the thing. So then I need more re recuperation time. Yeah. And so therefore, if, if I'm now still spending these three days off on my sofa because <laughs> I can't move, yeah, yeah. then is, are they days off? And, yeah. and have I now got more better work-life? Yeah, yeah. if I'm spending the four days knackered and the three days re recuperating or recovering. Yeah. And how is actually your, you know, routine, life routine at the moment? Taking on, obviously, Langan now, what is your... It's challenging, you know. I think that with chefing is, is, is it's so broad and target-based that you can't help but find yourself in a bit of a kind of hamster wheel type of um, mentality because you quite quickly realize, well, the quicker I run is the more, the better, more productive I am. Of course. So whilst you might kind of get into it, kind of going, well, actually, I'm going to just take my time and kind of keep a steady pace here, you know, slow yeah. and steady wins the race. 
but you slowly realize that, well, actually, more, if I cover more ground in less time, I'm more productive. So, you know, it's quite easily for, easy for you to kind of think, well, do you know what? I haven't got time to go to the gym anymore, or course, yeah. I haven't got time to, that much time to spend with family or your partner anymore. Course, yeah. And slowly this kind of life that you've built is eroded because mm. you, you know, you, you, what you're seeing is, is the target and the target yeah. is, is being more productive, having more people come through the door and mm. serving them with less resources. Ultimately. Of course, yeah. Do you find it hard to have that kind of, I would say, taking care of your, you, you know, your personal health? Um, because obviously doing long hours is not super healthy. Uh, not eating properly as well. You know, you can skip me. I do skip meals on a daily basis, which sure. is really, you know, it's not good. You know, new projects coming in. You, as especially as as a chef, you can't plan your day. I mean, it's, it's different. So, for sure, for sure. There's there's a lot of spinning plates. Yeah. And sometimes your focus is on just keeping those spinning. So you drop one and there's so much repercussions to that. Yeah, of course. And then because, you know, for many head chefs, not just myself, is your work is so tightly linked to your passion. But it's kind of like that is your driver. Your driver is, well, actually, I just want to get a really amazing product. And if that means that I have to sleep less or work harder or not go to the gym, those they feel like easy sacrifices. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Of course, yeah. Which is, yeah, for me personally, I've last year kind of realized that I need to take a bit more time to myself. And that was kind of my new year resolution. Yes. How's that um, going? <laughs> <laughs> well, I say that, but I did go uh, live six months in Spain, which did me very good. I needed it. Yeah. yeah. But it, yes. it doesn't mean that I'm not going to do it again. Yes. And yes, that's yes, the problem. Yes, yes. I feel like with my career, mm. I've gone through kind of peaks and troughs in terms of what I've been able to do. So I spent my whole thirties solid. So, you know, I miss birthdays and weddings and stag do's because of work. And I was able to kind of work my way up through the ranks quite quickly. And that was because of my dedication to my craft. Of course. And it was a crucial stepping stone to what led me to this position now. Um, It gave me confidence in order to kind of, I could develop menus to make me believe I could manage staff. So it was crucial for me to be able to do this job. Yeah. Mm, you know. And does that come naturally or? Do you know what? I've, of recent, so many people have kind of said, oh, you know, like for you to do the competition, you were so brave. Mm. And I didn't think of it as bravery, to be honest. Okay. It, you know, the way I didn't apply for the competition. Yeah. So the production company reached out to me. Oh, they reached out to you. And said okay. that they, they looked at my Instagram and my website and they just loved it. And they were like, you know, I think you'd be really great for this show. So I was just like, yeah, all right, cool. So I think if I'd thought about it for too long, I probably wouldn't have gone okay. because it's just not really my style. I'm not yeah, really competitive in that way. Okay. okay. But it's because I didn't think about it. Before the show, you used to be a privileged chef. So after I set up Chef Dom Taylor Kitchen, yeah. I had a long residency for a couple of years, but okay. then COVID hit. Okay. So then I kind of, I struggled a bit. I lost quite a lot of money. I was locked mm-hmm. into a contract for a while. Okay. I then... I was in and because we kind of thought it was going to be short term. So then, you know, the advice was is to don't change too much. Like this is going to, you know, be over before we know it. And then it wasn't. Mm. But by then it was kind of like, well, now you've held on for this long. 
you may as well hold on a bit longer. Yeah, yeah. How long could this go on for? Well, apparently yeah, yeah. a long time. <laughs> so I lost a lot of money. So then when I reopened, I was in such deficit that I then had to do so much myself mm -hmm. to cut. And then I burnt out. I worked way too hard. So then when I kind of was private chefing, that was ultimately because I needed a rest. Okay. I didn't really want to. It was a stop off that I, I didn't really want to stop off for too long because okay. I wasn't really set up to be a private chef. I feel like the way for private chef to make sense and to kind of be comfortable, you have to have your own kitchen space and it has yeah. to be a professional space. Of course. Otherwise, it just makes it really difficult, you know. Yeah. So there was a lot of moving my things around. I didn't really have kitchen home. Yeah. So it made it challenging. Of course. Okay. And you just mentioned that you did a burnout. How long to recover? Not so sure fully recovered. I feel like kind of slowly I've I've seen the things that rejuvenate me slip away. Of course. You know, so like I used to do a lot of yoga at least four or five times a week. And I haven't been to yoga for about 18 weeks. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, oh my. Yeah, so, so to kind of go from kind of this was something I did every now, I don't have time to go ever. It's dangerous, isn't it? It's insane. Yeah. And then things like, you know, I typically eat quite healthily. But, you know, I can't remember the last time I've had five, six, seven fruit and veg in a day. Yeah, I can't remember the last time. I can't remember, you know, I very rarely sit down to eat. Sure. Very rarely. Yeah. So, and then when you think about not sitting down to eat, about then how balanced are these meals that you eat? Yeah. So typically, you know, I'm eating a piece of meat between two bits of bread. Yeah, yeah. Standing. 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 Yeah. So it's kind of, yeah, dangerous business. I, I did also a burnout in, in, in January like this year. And sometimes I ask myself, like, I need to kind of like slap myself in the, in the face and be like, you don't want to repeat that. And, but it's so hard. Like you said, um, yoga, I used to do yoga until I stopped as well and doing sports as well, eating properly. And that, that kind of led up to the burnout. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when that happens, where I see myself again, like, okay, shit, I need to be careful because you don't really recover from a burnout or at least not for me and not for you at the, at the moment yeah i mean like you said it's really hard because i mean i've put into my calendar that at 4 30 go and sit down and have a break really? and okay. i i don't think i've done it once since i put it in my oh, calendar so it doesn't work. yeah it doesn't work okay. but at least i feel like i the intention was there yeah, do you know yeah. what i mean but there's a point where it feels like i've got that space to go and do that mm. because you're just constantly Against the clock, you know, you've got a fully booked restaurant turning up at six o'clock, regardless of whether you eat or don't eat, you know, so, and you want to kind of get that right. So it's, it's challenging. Deep inside you enjoy that kind of. For sure. You know, I think that, Real, you know, basically. as I mentioned earlier, I think that because Chef in kind of, it's reward based and, and target based is there's that adrenaline mm, of yeah. kind of. You know, you're getting it right, but it's so short lived. So you have to get it right again tomorrow. You know, yeah. you don't get to ride on the fact that I got it right today. Yeah. <laughs> of course. That's, that's over by midnight and you got to do it all over again tomorrow. What kind of advice will you give to a young chef to escape this of burnout? I mean, I think that one of the, one of the bits of advice I wish I'd take for myself yeah. is Dominic, outsource some of these things okay. is, you know, you don't have to do everything yourself. Yeah. Like, for example, I'm really struggling at the moment with kind of outsourcing some of my social media. Mm -hmm. I, I really like to kind of post from the heart. I wouldn't okay. be able to get someone to post for me. Oh, I could, but I'd still need to write the captions. Yeah. 
And then I couldn't really have somebody replying to messages for me either because I, you know, I feel like I've got a connection with my followers. Yeah. So they could only really be doing very minimal parts of the social media. And then I'm just like, well, is it even worth me paying somebody yeah. to do that? Because if you've got to write the caption, then the posting bit's easy. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, there's a thing. So it's like delegation, basically. That it's about saying, delegation. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the problem about passion. Yes. And passion. You can't replace. You can't. You can't give it you can't replace passion. Like how it's like getting someone else to draw a picture for you. How does that yeah. work? You know. Yeah. And what's your end goal then? Um. So I've been having a chat with a couple of companies, and it'd be kind of nice to do some TV work. I feel like working with Five Star Kitchen really kind of opened my eyes to kind of how what that could be like. I was quite pleased with the way I came across on TV. Um, I felt like I kind of came alive in certain that. So I think I'd like to do more of that. Yeah, for sure. that's why we we why we're really thankful that you came because you you do have the profile to yes for 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 the cameras. Oh, thank you. Thank you. For, for everything which is great and yeah for us for our first episode is quite yeah the obviously uh, talking to other people in different sections and parts of the hospitality obviously we wanted to start with chefs because it's the most related to hospitality yeah and then later on down the line uh we want to speak to you know, best owner our manager every kind of people who work in the hospitality industry mm -hmm. who is like you know happy to come and to share some stories with us Talking a bit about like, you know, like to their life. daily job basis. So yeah. A bit like I'm what we've done with you really. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, kind of educate people on, on, on different lifestyle in, mm. in hospitality. Um, I mean, uh, the, 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 the lifestyle of the chef is the craziest. Yeah. Uh, Probably. As, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, as we, as we know, but just to have a little bit of a vision of hospitality in general, it's, it's, you know, it's got so much to offer really. Mm. I mean, we're all three different uh, yeah, basis. I just wanted to ask the last question. What kind of advice will you give to a young chef who want to start, but is not sure? Yes. What kind of advice, sorry, will you give to, to this young I would, my advice would be is to go out and try many different kitchens, you know, okay. phone around and especially at that age where money's not super important to you. Yeah. Go and work in loads of different spaces, different kitchens, under different head chefs, cooking different types of cuisine to really get an understanding of, do I love this? And do I love yeah. this enough? And then if you, if the answer is yes, I really reckon they kind of get some Michelin star experience under their belt. Even if that's not where they want to end up, I think that that will really serve you well. And I don't really carry regrets per se, but if there's anything I wish I did do, it would be get some Michelin star experience oh, okay, when yeah. I was young and when money wasn't yeah. so important. I mean, it's not, not that I can remember when money wasn't too important. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, I was that's a bit it. of a money like, man from very early. Yeah. I had a paper round, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you feel it's, it's, it's you've done it at the right age? Is it the right age? Because some, you know, they can get famous. Well, famous. I mean, not the word famous, but getting to that peak too early. Yes, I mean, I mean, I don't want to say yes to that question. I think that for me, this is a good age. Okay, because I think that. There's a lot of maturity that I have now that I didn't have when I was 30. Of course. But that said, I also don't feel very 40. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel quite 30-ish. Yeah. You're going to have means. to give me the yeah. name of that cream you put. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I still feel young enough to kind of enjoy this. Yeah. But I feel kind of old enough where I also don't want to go and spend it all at the bar. Of you course. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of feels, it feels like the right time for me. 
Um, one thing I'm very, very big on is kind of people doing what feels right for them in that moment, yeah. you know? So I don't think that there's any kind of fast and and rules. I think that you have to kind of follow your gut. Yeah. Your gut will lead you far. And I think that one of the things that um, I wish in my life I did was listen more to my intuition because I think that I have a really good intuition. Yeah. And do you believe in luck? I think that you have to prepare for luck. I think that you have to be ready for luck. Okay. I think that one of the things that know when I won was and my mum had to remind me is is don't think for a second that you didn't have to work for this you just didn't work for it at the Langham mm -hmm. but I saw you work for this of course for the last 20 years yeah. Yeah. and so you were ready when this opportunity came course, you yeah. could have easily have not been ready yeah. and you know somebody who didn't win they clearly wasn't yeah. quite ready you know so you worked for this, just not at the Langham, not in the same way as some others to work for it. But you were ready when opportunity came yeah. knocking. Because I find it quite offensive when people say, oh, you were lucky. Mm -hmm. And whereas for me, luck, I believe in some sort of luck, but not the the, the luck where it just drops from the sky. Yeah, I think you have to push luck. For sure. For sure. You need for sure. to bring to bring the odds on your way sure. and really like, you know, tickle the luck, you know, for like sure. really for sure. bud for sure. To, to get it. Sure. Whereas uh, you know, some people are like, you're very lucky, you know, you're 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 just lucky to to have that. Yes. No. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 no, yes. You've worked for it and for sure. you've put the odds. For sure. That's what luck is. Because those dishes that I won the competition, I ultimately won the competition with. I was working a long time on those dishes. You know, my residency that I had prior to going on the competition is where I found fine-tuned these dishes. Yeah. So when I then presented them on the show, they were half ready, you know. Yeah, of course. Uh, that's amazing. Thank you very much. Thank you yeah. for your time. No, thank you for having me. Great conversation. Thank you for the wine. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you to everybody who listened to the podcast. Yeah. And you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and YouTube. And Instagram. And Instagram as well. Fantastic. And take care. Yes, thank you.